Hello, you're listening to episode 18 of 8 Minute Movies, Knives 8, a podcast talking about the 2022 movie, Glass Onion. What? <laughs> yeah, what? You, you, you know what's going on by now. Yeah, 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 this is, yeah. We, we've done this bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. It was it, it was funny last time and and, yeah. and funny now, I assume, I hope. Yeah, like our whole kind of podcast, it's really diminishing returns. Um, <laughs> and him, Peter. Oh yes, I am here too. Hello. <laughs> I didn't say my own name. I just I just pretended like I was ending the thing because it was funny. Ding. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> sh- sh- shall we carry on then? Yes. How are you doing? How am I doing? I'm doing okay. Do you want me to talk? to you about a recent piece of media that i've been consuming in some way um i i don't think you should uh you, sh- you should read the script aloud but sure <laughs> yeah i think i think you should at least pretend it's spontaneous <laughs> <laughs> all right then i'll try um i've been <laughs> peter looks at camera and laughs <laughs> i've been you- you've sometimes got me to laugh better like, <laughs> well, you should laugh right the first time. Jesus. Right. I've got a library of noises for you that I just substitute in when your noises were insufficient. I'll just run the tape back, and if you could just react with a bit more enthusiasm to that thing <laughs> I said, please. <laughs> look, look, if you were better the first time, I wouldn't have to ADR you. Carry on. Well, I've been We're not playing... even two minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> We've broken up. I've been playing a a video game, uh, one of those video games that they have now. Um, uh, it's called Marvel Snap. Oh, Marvel Snap! That's Marvel, like it, it's not like Pokemon Snap, if that's what you're thinking. You don't oh. go around and take pictures of various characters from the Marvel universe. Well, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was thinking. No, I mean I, I'd probably look at that. Yeah, that'd be quite good. <laughs> but that's not what this game is about. It is it's primarily a mobile game actually, but there is a there is a PC client uh but it's basically at the moment they're, they're working on a widescreen mode, but at the moment it's basically just the mobile client but with some borders. Ah. Um and it's a it's a card game. And it it's, Oh, like like traditional snap. Uh it it doesn't work like traditional snap. No, why did not, they why did they call it that? <laughs> <not> putting, <laughs> you might think that you're just putting cards down, and then when someone puts down the same, I don't know, Marvel character or something, you say snap, and then you win them or something like that. <laughs> but you don't. It's not that sort of card game. I was I was having trouble then because trying to remember how you played snap because I don't think I've played it since I was like. Five. <laughs> you forgot the rules to perhaps the easiest game. <laughs> I didn't forget them. It's just I filed them away somewhere, along with other things I haven't needed since I was, you know, a child. <laughs> well, luckily, you don't need to remember the rules of Snap to play Marvel Snap. You just need to remember a bunch of other rules. Um, uh, it's a. <sighs> It's a card game in a genre of card game that I have had a bit of a mixed relationship with in in the past, I think. So it's the kind of game where you are building different decks out of the cards that you own. Oh, Uh, a deck building game. Yes, uh, but not... 
I'm I'm just no, I'm not saying a deck building game because that is also a different genre of card game uh, in which you build uh, that that's the sort of game where you build up the deck as you're playing the game mm. and then you're hoping to b- build a sufficient deck to help you win the game as as you're kind of playing the game no this is this is the kind of uh, game where you build the decks in advance of playing the game and then you play with the decks against other people who have also built other decks oh like that game that you own a copy of um i, I guess the really big one is magic the gathering i'm thinking of android netrunner uh, yeah, that that as well, kind yeah. of. Although those decks are more kind of pre-made, that you, you don't you don't have so much leeway of which cards you put in there. I I seem to recall mm. from that. Um, where is it? So it's a bit more like um, uh, something like Magic: The Gathering, where you own the cards that you own and you make the best decks that you can out of the cards that you own hoping that the cards that you put together kind of have these synergies with each other and have effects that that kind of play off each other mm. but um the reason that marvel snap works so well for me is that it really kind of trims out a lot of the stuff that makes me not want to play those sort of games and so one of those things is that the decks can be just quite large, so it can just be a bit of a headache doing the deck building part of it, kind kind of trying to come up with enough cards to go in the deck and thinking about the right balance of cards uh, to, to go in the deck and just there's so many different ways it can go and it's all a bit exhausting before you even get to the act of playing the game. Um, with Marvel Snap, you are always building... Uh, decks of 12 cards just 12 cards and that makes building a deck really kind of quick and easy and uh the other thing about it i guess is that it's it's a kind of a free to play model there are things that you can uh buy some of them that are horrendously overpriced but it's not like a pay to win thing basically um uh, basically a lot of the things that you'd pay for are just kind of advancing the cosmetics of your cards and mm. things like that. Um, and maybe getting some cards in advance before they're kind of released into the general pool of cards, but never paying like, uh, you You never feel like you're in a position of, if I don't spend money, I can't win games. Right. Um, so it's 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 fairly well balanced for that, but um, I will say that some of the stuff that it asks you to pay for um, is pretty overpriced, in my opinion. Huh. Um, but so the actual game itself, it um, th- another thing that's appealing about it is that a lot of these games also just take ages. You see people playing like Magic: the Gathering or something like that, and they're just on the same game for ages and ages and ages, and so you. You kind of go into the game with a bit of trepidation as well because you're going to be there for a while. Mm. Um, and with Marvel Snap, it, the games take place over six rounds, sometimes seven if certain rules happen and, and things like that, but mostly six rounds uh, where you each spend a certain number of points in playing cards. Um, and 
they're over in less than five minutes, most games. And there's a timer as well, so you can't spend too long um, thinking about it when you're playing someone as well. So it's kind of got this combination of being really easy to get into building decks and just really quick, so you never feel like you're committing too much time to it. But also... And the thing that I think is really clever about it is even though it feels so limited in that way, the decks are so small and the game takes place over so few rules, as few rounds, um, the number of different ways in which games can play out, the number of different things that can happen is really, really varied. So you end up wanting to play quite a few times because lots and lots of different things can happen. So one of the things is that you play the game, you play your cards in one of three random locations, which happen each game. And your, um, your aim is to win a majority of the locations, basically get most points on, on uh, at least two out of three of the locations. And... Um, the locations themselves can either really affect what happens to cards when you play them in that location or what happens at a certain turn number during the game, or they can sometimes just affect the whole game as well, just have a massive uh, game-changing effect as well, like all the cards cost one less or even something like whatever's in your deck gets replaced by random cards or just really really kind of bizarre stuff. Um, And uh, so you have this combination of really different cards that have all sorts of effects that play off each other, lots of different kinds of decks that you can build out of those cards that, um, that play out in different ways, and then locations which further mess with that. Uh, and it creates this kind of really short but really varied game that is quite fun to play. And so I've been playing a lot of that and spending a little bit of money on it as well. The thing that I am willing to spend money on on this game is the the battle pass kind of thing where you spend a little bit of uh, money in order to get some car, uh, a card and... Uh, for a kind of limited time exclusivity and then some bonuses across the month. Uh, I don't understand sort of battle pass style things. Um, hmm. I, I'm thinking of Halo Infinite where I, I bought the season battle pass thing and um, just thinking it unlocked a bunch of extra things without realizing that it unlocked them if I then played the game for like 800 hours i'm like oh uh, okay um which i yeah. never got around to so well the my, my favorite model of battle passes um is not one that snap does actually but uh, I, I think it's good when they do the thing where if you if you play the game enough you un unlock enough of the whatever the game's currency is to buy the next battle pass. So you only actually have to play, as long as you're playing the game, you only have to buy the battle pass once and then you can keep on playing and yeah. buy the next battle pass off the back of that. So things like Fortnite do that. Um, mm. And um, this one doesn't do that. You get certain bonuses, but you can't use those to buy the battle pass. So it's about like um, eight, 
quid or something a month if you want to buy into it. If you don't, you still get some of the bonuses. You just don't get all of them, and you don't get the kind of card of the month that is you'll that'll get released into the general pool of cards uh, further down the road, basically. So you have to wait a bit if you really want that card. Hmm. Um, so that that's all the. Uh, Battle passes, really. I've decided that it's worth my time to get the battle pass as long as I'm playing every day, which I am doing at the moment. I'm playing the game a fair amount daily at the moment um, and still getting quite a lot out of it, really. Yeah, I, I want to go back to something you were saying earlier uh, about it just being so very... I'm, I'm wondering how it how that plays out from like a balance point of view. I mean, cause if you've got so many different combinations of things. Yeah. Um, I guess the way that it works is that you do have loads of different combination of things, but most cards fall into kind of different categories. So there are cards that either move other cards to the different lanes or benefit from being moved, let's say. So mm. you can build a, a deck around cards moving around. Uh, there's a destroy one, so cards that either destroy other cards that belong to you or other players, or cards that benefit from being destroyed or, or or say there's one like death in the game gets cheaper the more cards are destroyed during the game so mm. the idea of that card is that you can play it without spending any of your resources near the end of the game if you've destroyed enough cards during the course of the game um and then there are um I'm one of the early decks that I made that was just out off the back of an idea I had is that there are lots of cards which just kind of fuck with the other player. Like they'll make one of their cards more expensive or they'll just draw one of the cards from their deck and you get to use it themselves instead of them. Or they'll just there'll be a, a negative amount of energy and they fly over to the other. Um, to the other team when you play them, so it takes up one of their slots and also costs them points and and just various things like that. So I made a kind of uh, deck, uh, a disruption deck, which just basically did everything that was really annoying to the other player. Um, mm. And there's other things like uh, discard. So uh, separate from destroying cards, there's just discarding cards where they're just kind of removed from the game, and there are um decks that benefit off of uh, off of that so you can sort of group together cards in these different categories and then come up with uh, so, <clears throat> so there's a lot of different things that can happen but there are kind of recognizable strategies uh, and i guess that's how it works but i will say that often the um the locations that come up really throw a spanner in the works um, so there are some locations which work really well. Let's say if you're playing a move deck, there's a one location which gives a card plus two points if it moves to that location, which is really great if you've got a move deck because you're going to be moving cards all the time, hmm. but uh, is practically useless if you're not using a move deck because... Um, 
because you're never going to move a card. Uh, but then again, there are there's one which destroys a card if it moves to that location. So that one's really bad if you've got a move deck because it's going to mm. destroy your cards when you move it to that. And uh, and so it kind of balances out that the locations that can come up are are good or bad for certain kinds of deck or alternatively just weird they just do something very strange which might be good or bad entirely depending on the scenario right um oh that's a that's a lot to take in Oh, and, and I suppose the, the last thing that I should say about it is uh, that there are just a ton of cards available for mm. it. So it they definitely haven't done all of the Marvel characters. There there are others available, um, I'm, I'm sure, but I struggle to think of the ones that they haven't included, to be fair. I, there are so many cards... Um, and like there are characters that I mean I'm not a huge Marvel person. I've enjoyed the uh, some of the recent films. You know I've enjoyed some of the TV series that have come out, but I, I don't. I, I never really kind of followed the, um, uh, the the comics very much or anything like that. Um, but there are lots of lots lots and lots of characters that I've never even heard of. Um, yeah, I was going to say Mar- Marvel's been knocking around for. Yeah. Um, 83 years apparently so um that, i mean just, that's, that's a big pool of thing, people to pull from yeah i mean just think about the x uh, x men you know yeah. you basically got all of those <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and the like the bad guys from that as well you know the, all of the villains so um well, well hang on uh, magneto got magneto yeah magneto Mystique. moves cards that are of a certain value to uh, to his lane. Oh. Uh, Peter, who who is who is your favorite Marvel person? Who is my favorite Marvel person? Um, I'm kind of a Spider Man person, you know. I really I mm. like Spider Man. Uh, oh, oh, which is your favorite movie, Spider Man? Uh, I really like the new one, actually. Yeah, Tom Holland is great. Yeah, I think he's really good. That's probably Tom Holland as well. Yeah. Uh, my my favorite Marvel guy is Galactus. Um, just just because he's bananas, it's brilliant. He's just a huge purple dude who eats planets. Galactus yeah. um, uh, is a card, of course. Um, he is. Galactus destroys the other two locations if uh, he is the only person in that location, hmm. which has quite a calamitous effect <laughs> on, on on the game when it is played to be fair um yeah it's it, it's very um very dramatic card that one hmm. do his uh do his heralds make it in i'm assuming they do um like the silver surfer oh the silver surfer is actually the card of the month this time uh, that you get from the battle pass and i am really enjoying the silver surfer it won't be by the time you listen to this viewers <laughs> <laughs> No, that's true. Um, <laughs> Hope you didn't want that one or anything. Uh, I mean, if you're really quick, you might be able to squeeze in. Um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Not sure how that works. Mm. It's it, they they go in four week cycles, so maybe not. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's um. It's fun. It's it's got all sorts of different strategies that you can employ, and because the decks are so small, it's it's just 
really trivially easy just to try something uh, and and see if it works. Mm. And if it doesn't, never mind. You can move on with your life. Well, that's fine, isn't it? That's fine. So what about you then? What have you been doing, eh? Um I'm 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 going to go off piste and talk about something that uh, that uh, we we didn't discuss in the uh, pre-podcast briefing. <laughs> didn't know we were on piste. Um I I think we I think we're generally on piste. Mm-hmm. Listeners, uh, if you think that we're generally on or off piste, why not write into us at whatever the email address for this podcast is and let us know. Only only long-term <laughs> listeners of the podcast get to know what the email address is. <laughs> Um, what curveball are you going to throw at me? So it's 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 even tangentially related to the topic of the podcast. Do you remember that? Um, no. And it it's it's the game Among Us. Do you remember Among Us? Among Us. Among Us. Among Us. Mm. All the memes. Yeah. No. Um. They added an an expansion pack recently. Um. Which has added a whole new game mode called Hide and Seek. Yeah. Um, where Okay, so just briefly, if you've been living under a rock or something, you don't know what Among Us is and you haven't played it. Um, it's a game, a social deduction game, where you're all little bean-like dudes on a spaceship, and uh, one of you is the, or one or more of you is the imposter who can kill other players. Yeah. So, as the imposter, you've got to sneak around, the sh- go around the ship looking like a normal person, and then sneakily isolate someone on their own and kill them, and then get away from the scene of the crime before you're discovered. Uh, if you're not the imposter, you're just a crewmate, and you've got to go around the ship doing tasks to help you. Um, yeah, crewmates win by filling a task completion bar, so they they're little nothing jobs that you do. Which mean that you yeah. win the game if if you aren't all killed by the thing, but the the important part really is um, when a body is discovered or when somebody presses the emergency meeting button, um, all the crewmates are gathered in one room and they there's time to sort of verbally discuss who you think done it, and then you all vote and if. Enough people of you, enough of you vote for the same person. That person will be thrown out of the airlock or uh, destroyed in some other manner, depending on which level of the game you're playing on. So, again, here, if you're the imposter, you've got to try and cast suspicion on people who aren't you. Yeah. So, they added a new game mode recently uh, called Hide and Seek, which is a sort of total inversion of the game's normal mechanics um, where you know who the imposter is from the start because they fall over in the cafeteria and they sort of burst into a horrible creature and uh, you have to run and hide from them somewhere on the ship and um, they've made it a bit harder in some ways by like turning the lights out in the ship so you only sort of get by default like a little flashlight that illuminates a tiny area around you and um, yeah, so th- so then you have to kind of go and hide in random places in the ship, and the imposter will chase you around. Uh, and as the game gets into its last ten seconds, I think it is thirty seconds, something like that, uh, the imposter starts getting a sort of ping on their screen, which shows them where players are hiding. So you can't just find a really good hiding place and chill it out the entire time. You have to 
escape, basically. And um, I've been playing that a lot recently. And I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's, um, uh, I think on the whole, I still prefer the original game mode, but this one is a real nice uh, thing for when you're, you just want to play a quick game of it and you don't want to spend a long time getting into a session with um, like random people or whatever. Yeah. This one, you could just drop into anything anywhere and it's basically just, you're just playing hide and seek online and it's fun. Yeah, um, I've played a few rounds of this uh, with you, and I think afterwards I, I, I kind of described it as, in a weird way, it's simultaneously more and less intense than the original mm. game mode, because it's very hectic while you're playing. Yeah. But also, the stakes are very low. So, you, so if you're the uh, if you are the imposter, that you're just you're just having fun running around. Um, chasing people or mm. running away, or if you're not you're just kind of running away from yeah. the from the sound of the music that gets more intense as the <laughs> yeah i wanted to mention the music yeah. so so um they've added a sort of dangeometer uh, yeah. to know how um uh how close the imposter is to you so by default you you don't hear anything but as they get closer a bar sort of fills from yellow to red and then uh, you this sort of sinister rock music gets louder and louder until they're right on top of you and it's very it's very creepy <laughs> yeah it's pretty effective um uh so yeah it's pretty intense um well, while you're playing it you're running around you're panicking but also the stakes are so low because the game's over in a few minutes and then you just move on with your life uh so it's uh, it, it's a interesting kind of mix of more and less intense i think hmm the uh, the only downside I've found to it so far is um, if you're playing like in a huge game with like 15 people and you get killed fairly early on, the, like, as opposed to the normal game mode where you can sort of still finish your task, there's just nothing to do. You just have to sort of spectate for a couple of minutes, which, yeah. you know, it could be a bit boring. But like, like you say, the games are over so quickly, it doesn't matter that much, really. I'd say the optimum sort of game size for this is like seven or eight people. Yeah, and it does work as well if you've got a bit of a smaller group. So maybe if you've only been able to rustle up uh, a few of your friends and you think, ah, oh, maybe it's not that going to be that great playing the main mode, you can do a few quick rounds of this. That that works. Mm. Um, as for Among Us in general, I guess I I like it because I like social deduction games. Um, I do. I don't know that I love it, mm. um, and I think that might be for reasons that, weirdly enough, we could get into when we start getting back on topic and talking about this film. Yeah, so let's save that for then. Uh, yeah. And also, um, uh, Among Us will come up uh, later as well, uh, organically, yeah. so that's that's going to be fun. Mm. Um, no, I, I've got a special spot in my heart for Among Us. I really, yeah. you know, like everybody else, I discovered it in 2020 when the world was locked down. Yeah. And um, I, I've sunk about 70 hours into it, which is like not mon not much compared to sort of the average player. It's like thousands of hours, but um, yeah. I really, I really enjoy it. Like if, if ever I've got like a, you know, like half hour free, I'm like, yeah, all right. And I think, I think adding this new mode is going to get me going back to it. Yeah. Also, um, I'm very keen to end this podcast and go and play Among Us now because um, uh, they've added Benoit Blanc's outfit from Glass Onion uh, yeah. as as a as a 
downloadable content thing <laughs> today. Detail, yeah. yeah, they've added it today. So. <laughs> mm. Yeah, oh, should... got to get that. Oh, hang on, hang on. Should we do one of those things like we did for the Stanley Parable, where you start, where I, uh, you know, I live, I live stream starting the game. Hang on, I'm starting Among Us on my laptop. Uh, all right. <laughs> I want to see if it's there. Okay. This is this is great listening. This is great listening. Hang on, game starting. All right, and so now people are going to see if it was there. Some yeah. Weeks ago. Here's a gift from the crew, Benoit Blanc. Redeem. Yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> it <was> there. <laughs> Brilliant! Thrilling. <laughs> is that an outfit? Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> gone, right. I, it's not the one that I would have gone with, actually, but I, I like it. Yeah. Um. What's yeah. the one you would have gone with? Uh, I probably would have gone with the um the one from the film poster, the kind of light suit with the blue shirt, that 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 kind of look. Mm, okay, I, I I think this is more memorable, but I'm um, sure. And it's kind of got a necktie thing going on as well with that that one, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, if I if I could briefly return to the piste, um, I can't remember. Are we are we pretending that we recorded this straight away after the last one, or are we not pretending that? I don't think it matters, to be honest. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just trying to create a cohesive narrative universe for the listeners. <laughs> Where would they be without a CNU? I mean, if they are following along, it's probably been a while since they listened to the last one. Unless oh yeah, to listen to them together for some reason. Oh, you're, um, you're saying you're saying if I didn't bring it up, it wouldn't have been a problem. But now that I've brought it up, it is a problem. Yeah, you've you've created a um, a fault in the CNU. That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't even remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> I wanted to say something like a rod for your own back, but I don't think that's quite what I mean. <laughs> also, I'm I'm fine with that not being the thing. So, um, mm. I, I went to uh, the Centre for Computing History in Cambridge uh, the other day, they said evasively. Um, so, <laughs> um, it is a um, museum in Cambridge which is dedicated to the history of computer science because, as they kind of put it, you know, technology moves so quickly yeah. and there's such a push to sort of replace obsolete technology with more modern things yeah that there's a real chance that those sort of early days things could just vanish because they were just like we we're just like whatever threw them away and only now sort of looking back on them you know nearly 80 years in the future you're like oh uh wish we hadn't burned all of those things or whatever i mean we we, we come up with we have this experience in our lives right the the game the old game con consoles that we wish we'd never thrown away and all of that kind yeah of yeah exactly and i mean uh honestly um, i'm not gonna lie some of them ex a, a lot of the exhibits they have are computers that i own because uh, i collect <laughs> i collect old computers so um going through uh, a, a com uh, i wasn't expecting to be like skewered so many times walking through a museum being like this is an old thing from the distant past and it was a fucking xbox man just an xbox 
they're 20 years old peter quite old yeah that's that's vintage yeah it's 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 prehistoric Mm. (laughs) anyway so so um existential crisis aside it's a really nice place to visit um in the the main sort of entry hall they have a um uh the world's biggest microcomputer uh, a microprocessor i think which is just um a microprocessor that's been built up of like tiny little chunks so it's it's spread out across a whole wall and it uh you can sort of trace instructions traveling through it that sort of thing and it's all displayed with leds which is really cool to look at um cool. you, you, there's even a control panel you can sort of play tetris on it uh mm-hmm. and there's like a ratchet that you can control the clock speed so you can you can turn it down to almost nothing, so you can like literally see sort of like the LEDs going bloop, 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 through and and follow the instructions and read about them, or you can turn it up to sort of like you know something reasonable and playable. Right. Uh, that room also has some arcade cabinets um, that I played. Oh god, I think it was Alien Breed, and um, I'm not as good as that as I was as a child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, I remember playing that, and it, and it sort of loudly announces that you're that you you're bad at it when you when you die, and it did that three times in quick succession, and then I had to leave and go to a different room in the museum so no one could see my shame. <laughs> How often do you ever go back to old games? I mean, I guess you you did then, but but mm. I, I mean, I feel like I often go back to old games. I'm like, how did I just play this as a child? How did I put up with any of this? Yeah, no, I, I, I've I've. Uh, I spent some time setting up a retro pie, you know, uh, a Raspberry Pi uh, mm. with um, an operating system called RetroPie that allows you to play emulated games. Yeah. And um, and yeah, no, some of them are really fun still, but also very hard. Like games used to just be derangedly hard for no reason. <laughs> It does make you kind of appreciate when there is a game that you can go back to, which just feels sort of timeless, and it still almost feels as good as it was uh, mm. at, at the time. The one I remember going back to, which uh, I, I'm always sort of in in awe of when I when I go back to it, because it feels so much ahead of all of the similar things that were happening at the time, was. Um, uh, like Super Mario Brothers three because it's right. just such a competent platformer on the NES, which really barely had any that hold up. I mean, even the original Mario is is competent, but like the third one is kind of on another level. Yeah, I mean, mine is uh, Sonic three and Knuckles. Because mm. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if you know, but the two games uh, were originally just Sonic three. Um, but uh, the game was so big that they decided to split it into two games instead, mm. um, which is why um, Sonic and Knuckles has this incredibly strange sort of feature that comes from the cartridge era, where you you know you can play it on its own and it's fine, yeah. or you can like slide back the game's foreskin and slot. Um, Sonic 3 in on top and like suddenly sure sorry pretty sure it's not called that that's the technical term um and yeah suddenly suddenly you've got like a 22 level game with knuckles added in it's really good like feature i, I have one of those yeah you, you have a, a sonic 3 and knuckles 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I can't remember where, but I've got, it, I've got one somewhere. Yeah. Oh, fancy. Um, so in the museum, then you go into sort of like a main space uh, where all the exhibits really are, and it's lots of you know sort of vintage computers all set up that you can just sort of play with and have a go. Most of them. Um, uh, there's a surprising amount of like small things you can play with. Uh, I wonder how many of those are walking out the door. I mean, like, um, like, like little PDAs and things that you can look at. Um, and, uh, definitely there's some mobile phones in there that I, I have owned at some, at some point. Um, got your 3310 surely. Yeah. Yeah. No, they got one of those. Um, they, uh, actually have the Apple Mac that, uh, Douglas Adams owned and wrote some of, um, hitchhiker's guide on, which is quite nice. Nice. Um, yeah, they they have a a machine like a giant IBM mainframe thing from the same series as the one from Deep Blue. You know, the chess computer. It's yeah. not it's not the same one, and you can play chess against it. Um, but uh, I didn't have a go because I can't play chess. And like when I was there, there were some children sort of very intently playing chess against it. Um, <laughs> okay. Um. Uh yeah, uh, well, one of the things I I quite liked was um they have a a computer in there that uh, ran the Bakerloo line uh and it was installed in 1989. Okay. Uh, and and it ran the Bakerloo line until 2021. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's, that's quite a, recent. That's a long yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a vaguely impressive. Yeah, but they've got loads. They've got loads of fun stuff to look at. Um, a, a lot of my favourite sort of category of, of vintage computer, which is like um, they're called luggables. You know, so it predates the laptop, but it's a it's a computer you can take with you, but you really fucking wish you weren't because it weighs as much as a house. Um, <laughs> and it, it 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 predates the invention of any good screen technology, so the screen will be sort of very pale gray on very dark green which is um not uh readable <laughs> it's, uh, it's like when they used to call things portable tvs when they yes. weren't really um they uh they also have a um uh, a recreation of a 70s office that you can go into down to like the carpet and there's a cardigan you can wear if you want what do you mean? It, uh, there's a cardigan you can wear if you want there's a cardigan there's a cardigan hanging up it, it instructs you to put the cardigan on take a picture and share it with them if you want if you want yeah right. i chose not to wear the cardigan because um i thought that was a bit weird <laughs> but it's 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 a recreation of a 70s office so there's like a tv like a, a 70s tv and they're showing a 70s program and like a 70s computer you can have a go on uh, which I admit, I, I I was trying to write a little basic program on, but like one of the keys was broken, so I couldn't uh, run it. So I was like, oh, well, never mind. Uh, I suppose that's that's a downside to having a museum where people can touch stuff. Yeah. Oh, they but... they had they had an acoustic coupler, Peter. Um. Okay. That's the uh, that's that that predates the modem. It's a uh, literally oh, sort, I, sort of like I a rubber headset thing that you drop that, yeah. your phone into. Yeah. Yeah, it it listens and on one end and speaks on the other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, the and the squawks. Yeah, the the, th- the thing I did best at was uh, was uh, Sonic Three, <laughs> which I spent some time playing. Uh, they also have an an eighties classroom. Um, okay. With uh, a lot of sort of 
uh, BBC Acorn things, um, yeah. and the BBC Micros, and the games that they played, that they came with, that yeah. you can have a gone. And you know, you know, it's it's fine. I, I I had a real good time there. I enjoyed it. That sounds good. Yeah, uh, they've got a little a little gift shop on the way out, and I I bought a five and a quarter inch floppy disk as a treat because I've I've never possessed one, and now I do. <laughs> you, you've never. Uh, possessed a five and a quarter inch floppy disk. I've really. never possessed a five and a quarter inch floppy. Well, I do now. Mm. Mm. I, I I used to have quite a few. I had a BBC Micro. No, the um the BBC Micro is is uh, is the white whale of my old computer collection. I never managed to get one. Um, and now they've moved out of the uh sort of a lot of the old sort of vintage computers have moved from um garbage to like nostalgia item i mean because like yeah uh about 10 15 years ago you could pick these things up for nothing like five pounds or whatever and you great you know now they sell for hundreds because they know people are looking for them and like obviously time and attrition has taken the supply down right because they were in basically every school yeah there were billions of them and now yeah. there aren't <laughs> Uh, oh, well. Yeah, but uh, I would go if you get the chance. Um, you you can't go today if you're listening to this on the day this podcast comes out because they're closed for Christmas until the second of January. There's a public service announcement on their behalf. There you go. Mm. Oh dear. Okay, so I think yeah, I think we should explain the concept of this podcast now. Which honestly, I think we probably should have done at the start, but we didn't do. Um, because that um, intro came apart like a cake in a hurricane. Um, not this far, not knowing what you're listening to, then well good on you. <laughs> okay, so um, we went to see in the actual cinema, TM, uh, the sequel to Knives Out. Uh, it's called Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, a title mm. we have issue with, but never mind. Um, and uh, we're releasing two special episodes of the podcast, one of which in which we discuss it without spoilers. That was the one that hopefully you've listened to already. And this one, which will be spoiler rich. So if you've made it, wow, 40 minutes into this podcast without knowing what this is, and you want to go and watch Glass Onion without being spoiled, go and do it now. Turn off the podcast, press pause, or however you're listening to this. Mm. Chew, go away and come back after you've watched it, because it's genuinely great and you don't want to spoil it by listening to two weird pricks talk about it for five hours beforehand yes i'm sorry i called you a weird prick peter it's all right there was some truth to it (laughs) (laughs) i'm not that sorry (laughs) i feel we may begin Oh right, okay. <laughs> right. right. I wasn't sure which one of us was waiting for who. Right. <laughs> I think it's for whom. Uh I no. <laughs> uh, that's just no. I was thinking about whom the other day and I was thinking we should get rid of the whole thing. Um I like in German they're they're consistent at least. They've got complex ass grammar rules about how you um change the words uh, based on the case and all of that kind of uh, stuff and i don't like it at all but at least they're consistent about it here we just have some words that do it as kind of holdovers from history and other times we just don't care 
It's not good enough. Ich bin sehr hungrig, Peter. Hmm. And that being the case, let's get on with this. Um, mm. So uh, it opens up in um, in old uh, early COVID times, doesn't it? This this film. Yeah, it, and uh, that's an interesting place to start. I, I I think it's the first media thing that I've seen really just sink its teeth into the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I I mean I I don't I don't think it's going to be the only one, but um no. yeah they literally start you know in lockdown everyone's wearing masks, uh, yeah. making their own um sourdough bread. Oh Christ, you remember that? Yeah, yeah, all did, of that sort of thing. Did you give that a go? Uh, I I didn't do any bread making myself. Oh, I I, le- I learned how to make brioche buns, and t- let me tell you, it don't. <laughs> it's so much fucking work. It's so it's so much better to easier to just pay someone to do it for you. Uh, yeah, I know I know many people who had a bread making phase. I was never tempted myself. Yeah, also learned how to make sticky buns. Uh, and honestly, you can go from having no sticky buns to having sticky buns in about twenty minutes, and um, it's worth it because they're delicious. And I suppose the. Um... I've listened to a couple of interviews um, with uh, Ryan Johnson and others since uh, uh, since watching the film, and something that they comment on is that the uh, like Agatha Christie stories were always, I mean, they feel like period pieces now, obviously, mm. but at the time they were very contemporary really they were um they were talking about things that were going on at the time and, yeah uh, uh, and stuff like that and uh, they wanted to kind of emulate that with exactly these I, I, th- I, th- I think i brought that up last in the last episode that where mm. they're very zeitgeisty yeah. and um yeah so like the sherlock holmes stories and agatha christie they deem very period like perfect little period pieces of but they're not they're just they were written about the issues of the day, and they've just aged. Yeah, um, so I think that's a really interesting choice, and I, I, I have quite a lot of respect for it. Um, and in this case, yeah, it is stuff that's very, uh, very recently happened, but also is is weirdly nostalgic in a way. I was going to say for... it, it felt like I, I watched it, and he's, he's got his mask on, and I felt weirdly nostalgic for it. I was like, I was like, it happened less than two years ago. But it, <laughs> So much happened in those two years that you can tell the difference between like early COVID vibes and late COVID vibes. So here yeah. you have a kind of situation where everyone's sort of still getting used to it, doesn't mm. quite know what to do, but they're sort of kind of muddling through and trying their best, which is very different to the kind of vibes that you get later where so many people are just fed up with it and have given up. And uh, uh, while other people uh, are still... Uh, sticking to it here you just have you, you have the kind of camps of people that there were at the beginning of it where you have people who are just go, um, going by the rules people who are trying their best but making kind of mistakes mm. and people who are just not doing it very well at all but maybe don't realize it uh, and people who just are ignoring the whole thing yeah. And are exactly the people that you expect 
to ignore the, <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, so you get the whole range of those characters uh, in this film. And we kind of, we kind of start out um, meeting all of these characters, uh, getting sent a kind of special box, a puzzle mm. box. A, pu- a puzzle box. Um, I, I would be very excited to receive something like this. Um, and uh, there are services you can subscribe to where they send you a thing like uh, every month like this, but I don't think in any near as detailed as as this. I'm really surprised I haven't done that, to be honest, yet, um, because it feels like something that is very would be very on brand for me. I, I, I like messing around with puzzles. I have a yeah, puzzle I- advent calendar this year. It's quite good. Yeah, I mean, periodically I think about subscribing you to one for like your birthday or something, but um, but they're too expensive. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to do it forever. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, they they have this puzzle box, and um, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very proud to say that I immediately knew what the first step of the puzzle <laughs> was. Uh, as soon as I saw the box, I was like, "This is what the, the this is," and it took them ages to get it as well. Because mm. the first thing that you see is the box is just kind of blank, and there's no way into it, and. Uh, uh, it, and so that's confusing because you think, oh, where's the mechanism to open the box? And it turns out that it's a stereogram picture, which I recognized as soon as I saw the box that the grain of the wood was a kind of repeating looking pattern, which um, you can kind of magic eye. Yeah, so stereograms uh, are those magic eye pictures, in case you don't know. Um, Yes, that, that were popular in the distant past, but then we invented iPads. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I was, uh, I had a technique for getting them instantly, so I never had any trouble with those. I, mm. I always knew exactly how to get them because I discovered the effect by accident as a child. Wow. Um, I, you know, the how when you look down the when you look at a radiator from above, it has that kind of corrugated bit. Yeah, uh, yes, I think that part's called the radiator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, as opposed to the outside, I know, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, it's got that corrugate. Uh, well, I um, I remember um, being at my grandma's place or something, and just looking down the back of radiator like that, and uh, just um, unfocusing my eyes in a certain way to make one of the bits of corrugated go into the next one and <laughs> and overlap and noticed that you could kind of hold it there and it would look funny um <laughs> and uh so i had like tons of practice with stereograms and then when it became a real fad yeah i I, I was like, ah, I've been training. The old for this radiator all technique. Yeah, I've been training for this all my life, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was really good at them from the start. And I, I didn't really understand why some people just can't do them. Yeah, I, I always kind of had a problem with them. The only one I can remember really getting first time easily was, um, uh, do you remember the TV program Tomorrow's yeah. World? Um. I do remember it. Yes, a BBC technology show. So one time, for some reason, they had like they had one on the show, but it was animated, so it was sort of like a thing that was rotating, and you could look at it. Uh, and and yeah, for some reason, that on a screen I found a lot easier than the sort of magic eye picture books that were going around at the time. Yeah, 
Uh, oh, and the other practice I got as a child is, of course, doing that thing where you put your fingers together in front of your eyes and then you make a little sausage. Oh, the floating sausage. I love the floating. I, I actually yeah. did the floating sausage uh, the other day. Uh, I, I can't remember it, why. And I'm, I... <laughs> It's exactly the same as a floating sausage. That's all the... Uh, if you can make a floating sausage, you can do a magic eye. That's what I've always said. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's one of the many things I'm having written on your tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if you're if you're wondering how to do a magic eye, just make the floating sausage. I've, I'm I'm doing the floating sausage right now, um, mm. which is not great listening. I'm forced to admit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is going great so far. We've got so far to the um the first box. minute or two of the yeah. film. Um, yeah, and they're all kind of uh, all the these people that you start getting introduced to the different characters in the film. They uh, are, start to contact each other because they've all, they all realise that they've all received this box and are trying to collectively solve the different puzzles in it. Yeah, and we uh, we see we see we're with each of the characters a little bit here, um, and we spoke about them last time. Um, so I don't think we'll go into them too much at the start yeah. here, but, um, yeah. And they all, you know, so they all puzzle out these boxes, except we see one character who, and, uh, we see her take a very unusual approach to opening the box. Right. Just taking a hammer straight yeah, to it. She puts on a pair of safety goggles and smashes the thing up with a hammer to get inside. Yeah. And she, she's, uh, kind of clearly quite just pissed off with the whole thing. She is not happy with having this thing, wants to get into it, but it has no time for its shit, basically. Yeah. And um, so after you... Uh, that's Janelle Monet's character, by the way, just mm-hmm. in case that wasn't clear. Everyone who is listening to this has presumably seen the film, so you'll know who we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, then we get to um, uh, to Benoit Blanc, don't we? After yeah, that? we we spend we spend some time with Benoit Blanc, seeing how he's dealing with uh, lockdown. And spoilers, it's not well. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's spending all of his time in the bath. <laughs> yes, and uh, and uh, I think what I thought the most hilarious moment he's he's fucking playing Among Us. Yes. Uh, with, with a bunch of famous people. Yeah, um, he is. Um, and um, and by the way, wearing the most ridiculous bath hat <laughs> I, I have ever seen in my life. Wherever yeah. they found that, I, I I've got to imagine they just found that somewhere. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> um, it it's a great choice. And um, uh, Benoit Blanc, it turns out, is not very good at Among Us. Um, and uh, he is uh, playing with well, two of the people making cameos here are uh, Angela Lansbury and Stephen Sondheim, uh, yeah. sort of people who uh, Ryan Johnson has a lot of respect for uh, and really wanted to work with, uh, who both unfortunately passed away after this film was made. Yeah. So this is sort of the last performance for both of them. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he's. Uh, I like that he's having a lot of trouble dealing with the lack of stimulation because that's that's extremely similar to uh, Sherlock Holmes between cases, as we've seen a lot of times in yeah. the Sherlock Holmes canon. Uh, ra- rather than 
fall into the arms of cocaine. Right. Um, <laughs> Benoit Blanc has chosen uh, endless paths. Yeah, it's just paths. Um, I think that, that. So I I like Among Us. I like to uh, to play Among Us. I, I I like it fine, not as much as you do, but I I I enjoy it when I play it. Um, but weirdly enough, I think the, the when I struggle with uh, Among Us, I think it might be for similar reasons that uh, Benoit Blanc struggles with uh, Among Us, which is that it can just kind of stop. Sometimes, sometimes games just fizzle for not very interesting reasons, and that's kind of his complaint when he plays the game because he's in the in the clip of it that we see. He's the imposter, and he does a murder, and people see the murder, and they say, "We saw you do it," and he's like, "Oh, so that's it then?" <laughs> and uh, and there's no kind of intrigue, there's no mystery, and so something that I think is good about a lot of social deduct games is that the way that they're designed is that they're designed to protect you against just making catastrophic mistakes for the most part uh, as one of the imposters uh, and you you can still do it but it's it's kind of hard to do it if you if you're paying close attention uh, and uh, the problem i sometimes have with among us is that sometimes you can just get unlucky and just get caught and then the game ends and so if you had any plan or if you had a night we're having a nice time with it and you just got uh, unlucky someone just walked by at the wrong moment that's just kind of it uh and there's nothing and there's not very much that you can do to talk yourself out of that that said with among us some of the new modes that they've started to introduce where you can play different roles and stuff have mm. started to mix that up a bit in a way that I like. So um we played a game a couple of months ago, I seem to remember, where I just brazenly did a murder in front of everyone and then proceeded to get away with the whole thing. Uh were you were you, you shape shifting? I was shape shifting, mm. yes. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. Yeah. So they they they've done some things to mitigate that, and there's some been some smart design on it since this early version of Among Us that we're we're seeing in the film. But yeah, I mm. I saw I have to admit I sort of get Benoit Blanc's gripe with it sometimes. And um, uh, this is also the point where um, Benoit Blanc receives a box as well, isn't it? He does, yes, but we don't see the box. We just see that something has arrived, mm. and that's important later. <laughs> <laughs> and this will be important later, yes, yes. Um, and so they all start arriving at the uh, at the island in Greece. Uh, yeah. So everybody turns up. Uh, all of the cast that we've introduced and Blank himself. Um. Uh, Ryan Johnson said that um, uh, he took inspiration for this movie from tropical getaway murder mysteries like Evil <laughs> Under the Sun. Yeah. Which is a, a Hercule Poirot story, which um, I quite like. It's not one of my favorites, but it's it's up there. It's good. I don't think I'm familiar with that one, so don't give anything away. Uh, they all go to an island and murders occur, and mm. Poirot solves them. 
Okay. Uh, I'll I'll have to show it to you, Peter. There's a, there's a 1970s version of it with uh, Peter Ustinov as Poirot. Uh, that's that's pretty funny. It's mm-hmm. not as it's not as good as the uh, 70s um, Death on the Nile, where uh, everyone is che- aggressively chewing the scenery all throughout it. And if it, that would be a great movie to recommend to anyone, if it wasn't for a, a really awkward racist character that. Was probably bad at the time and is just worse now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus. Um, oh, something probably worth noting is that yes, the box is in it, it contains an invitation to the island as well, mm. and, and there's a couple of things that I like about this: an invitation from Miles Brom, the the tech billionaire at the center of this. Yeah, uh, and I, I like a couple of things about it, and it's a theme that you kind of recurs as well. As we get into it, I like that he just says what the whole thing is going to be. Just said, "You're going to be solving my, my murder." murder. Mm. Um, so there's no surprise to it, even like he could have even didn't even say a murder. <laughs> it just says what's going to happen, and then once they get to the island, just keeps on talking about the fact that it's going to happen. So it's it's done so ham-fistedly, just <laughs> done in the uh, like in in the stupidest possible way that it could be done, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, in, and in a way that it just it's it's you know it's all about him. Mm. Um. I think we should probably also mention that um, when they turn up at the dock uh, to to travel to the island, they're all um, sprayed by um, uh, one of Miles's henchmen, right. uh, and and this this is some sort of miraculous COVID cure, or at least something that removes it from consideration for the rest of the movie, <laughs> which is good. So we don't have to like you know that was a fun thing to start with, but it has been addressed and taken out of the picture. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can read it a couple of ways, I guess. Either Mm. you can read it that um, Miles, just through being a billionaire, has access to some sort of technology before everyone else and and just uses it. Or he thinks he does, but he definitely doesn't, (laughs) which I think (laughs) is probably more likely. Uh, so they all arrive on the island, um, and uh, they're shown around by Bron, who shows them sort of many the island's many features. So it's it's like his own sort of private island, and it has uh, you know sort of a swimming pool and like a private garden and things. Uh, yeah. But it also has the glass onion, uh, which is um, a big glass onion in the middle uh, that lights up in an interesting way. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, it it's very showy. It's an attractive centerpiece. Yeah, it's uh, both it it's simultaneously really impressive to look at and just kind of ludicrous. Very ostentatious. Yeah, just just very <laughs> silly. So I think it's at this point that we learn uh, that Blank wasn't invited. Um, no, he wasn't center box. Uh, and. Uh, they they have a brief discussion about it. Um, uh, oh, there's another amazing blank quote here where uh, he looks into sort of a light fixture at the middle of the glass onion. And he says, "My God, it's full of stars." And then he turns around. And he says, 
2010, the year we make contact. And it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> the quote is much famously from from the first film, 2001. Why, why, yeah. would, he, why would he prefer the sequel yeah, he talked. We talked about this one, and I believe that that yeah. film, that that line, I think it is. It does open twenty ten. I think that's the first thing that you hear uh, in the film twenty ten. But extremely famously, <laughs> it's it's from the end of two thousand one. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure about. Yeah, that. yeah, no, no, it absolutely yeah. is. I uh, that's that's where I remembered it from. I yeah. couldn't remember it being in twenty ten, uh, yeah. and I haven't rewatched it to check. So yeah, maybe I don't know. Uh, to 2001 the infinitely more famous film <laughs> yeah. it has it has to be said benoit is being a a real goofball at this at yeah. this the movie and i i was i was a little hesitant here because i wasn't sure if they were just if he was being sort of overplayed by daniel craig um but then stuff happened and it turned out i needn't have worried at all <laughs> And I think the thing that justifies it as well to me is that, um, how do I put this? I guess he's still in this mode of suddenly he has a chance to interact with people in what is a mystery. Mm. Uh, And it's after everything that's happened with COVID, this is all kind of a a, a novelty and amusement for him. And you, we get some really fun quotes about how um, how refreshing and amusing he's finding this thing mm. that's been put together, um, which um, he finds much less impressive than uh, the Miles Brom would like him to find it. I think. And and he does. He does seem a little um, uncomfortable and out of place with mm. sort of the idle rich at play. Yes, which is a very in character. We we've known that he. <sighs> I was I was going to say he doesn't uh, suffer fools gladly, but I don't think that's quite right. He does um, actually. Suffer fools quite gladly, um, and for as long as he has to, you know, mm. and then and then we'll um, turn. Then they'll then we'll turn. Uh, I think we saw that in the last one as well, where you the you the audience could see the cracks, could see where he wasn't buying into their shit, but the but they don't see it until. Uh, 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 until that point where it turns, which I think is something very much borrowed from uh, from Columbo, yeah, as a character. Uh, so what happens now? I was going to say what happens next, but that's uh, that's a, a different part of the podcast. Well, uh, he kind of warns Miles that he thinks that he might be in some danger mm. um, and uh, he kind of doesn't really take it particularly seriously and later they go downstairs to kind of start the the, the murder mystery thing that Miles has arranged 
Right. I, I think I think before that we spend some time with um the other characters yeah. and sort of learn a little bit more about them and see like setting up some of their obvious motives in the style of a you know a, a detective movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then then we end up in the, the frankly hilarious scene involving the murder mystery. Yes, and um, it's. Yeah, as soon as, or maybe just before he asks, you know, have we started yet? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I realized, oh, he's already solved it. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, yeah, there's there's two sort of hilarious Benoit Blanc moments here. Yeah. Well, like one where he, just as they're setting up, he asks if there's a prize. Yes, if there's um, a prize. <laughs> is there a prize? And, um, like, Miles is sort of abused. He's like, what, what do you want? And Benoit's like, an iPad? And he's like, Sure, and he's like, no, I, 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 <laughs> he just sort of comes apart, like not really knowing. I don't want anything. I just thought that I thought there would be a, prize. be a a prize, you know, like a, a, a an iPad or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, fine, there's an iPad. Yeah, and then uh, then he says, uh, "Are we playing right now?" Uh, Miles says, "Yes," and Benoit immediately stands up and just explains the whole thing. <laughs> Before he even gets murdered, as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and another bit that happens just before that, which I really enjoy, um, which kind of goes back to um, Miles setting this up in the most stupid, self-indulgent way possible, mm. is one of them asks, "You know, are you just are you going? Is that it? Then after the murder, are you, are you, are you just going to be kind of dead? Then?" And he's like. Oh no, I'm not going to play dead all weekend. I'll still <laughs> hang out with you and stuff. Like that. He's not even going to commit to the bit. He's, <laughs> he's just going to say, "Ooh, I'm dead." I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's. I, I don't. Even, I don't think he'd even go that far. No, <laughs> he'd just be there gloating as they try to fuzzle it out. And right. they, they, yeah. So the whole scene where uh, Benoit goes through the whole thing is is sort of hilariously bookended by um, a crossbow firing on a timer and like a fake crossbow thing coming out of Miles's chest. Yes. Um, and <laughs> and so, yeah, he solves the whole thing immediately. It completely explains the method of the murder, who did it, and what their motive is as well from things that had been introduced over the course of the kind of introduction to the film. Uh, and um, is completely on top of the whole thing. Uh, Miles takes him separately alone upstairs and throws an iPad at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I think um, as he goes upstairs, um, he's kind of oh, explaining, oh, it, it, it was uh, it, it was so re refreshing. It was like it was like doing one of those mini crosswords. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I, th I think we should also point out that that he um, uh, uh, earlier in the movie when they're solving the puzzle boxes, it takes them hours and hours, and eventually they're all working together. And Benoit Blanc says it was a puzzle box guarded by children's game, children's puzzles. <laughs> yeah, which we, we we later find out that he didn't actually do <laughs> the puzzles because he got <laughs> the broken box. But uh, <laughs> but it just goes to show that he's. 
he's much more in control at, at this point in uh in the story than he in, than he kind of initially lets on. Yeah. He's playing with them a bit. Uh so uh, it's at this point uh, I think he's also warned Miles that um everyone there has a motive to kill him. Yes. <laughs> and will probably use this weekend as an excuse to kill mm. him. Yes. Which Miles has sort of uh, shrugged off. And uh, so then they go off to just kind of have a normal rest of the day and some of them start talking about how they'll they maybe just leave tomorrow or, mm. uh, or whatever and they're just enjoying some drinks and things. Uh, and things until um there's a, a big argument with Andy uh who is the former sort of co-owner of the company with Miles yeah. and everyone is surprised that she came uh, and she right, yeah. she storms off and disappears uh because um basically everyone sort of sided against her with Miles even though Miles was lying in a court case yeah. Uh, about who owns Alpha, the whole, the company as as a whole, mm. and um, she sort of accuses them all of being, you know, sort of just cling, desperately clinging to his coattails, and disappears. Yeah. Um. And uh, a little while after that, uh, Duke, the sort of incredibly repulsive MRA activist guy, yeah. uh, suddenly drops down dead. Yes. And. At first, it seems like uh, his drink has been poisoned. Mm. Um, but then, after looking at it for a minute, uh, Miles notices that it's it's his glass because his name is on it. Of course, it is. Um. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he becomes incredibly convinced, and that everyone is now out to kill him and paranoid, literally, literally, physically hiding behind Benoit Black. Yeah, he's kind of running all over the place and acting very scared, and mm. uh, uh, and, and basically trying to flee from the others. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, he'd set up a timer related to the murder mystery, which he hadn't shut down, and uh, all of the lights go out. Mm. Somewhere in all of this, as well, we get um, an explanation of that clear stuff as well which is very relevant to the story yeah isn't it so um it's just a uh, this kind of wonder fuel that has been invented but it and is powering this whole complex Mm. but it turns out has a really dangerous um uh what what am i trying to say i guess yeah a really dangerous downside i guess which makes it not really practical to use as a fuel yeah it's it's very stable very energy efficient but it it leaks hydrogen gas which is explosive yes yeah <laughs> um and uh, and he's trying to kind of push this for a wider mm. release and yeah he, he he wants uh, he wants it adopted in fuel stations worldwide and also to do manned space launches with it but a couple of the people... sorry, crude space launches. <laughs> yes, but 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 a couple of the people are are worried about that, mm. and you see them talking about that. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, the power uh, in the place goes out. Um, everyone's looking for um, oh, what's the name of the character? Um, Andy. Andy, that's right. Mm. Um, who has gone off somewhere? The gun's gone missing as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, eventually, um, Blanc meets up with Andy outside, hmm. and um, he's trying to get some information out of her. Because, uh, he believes that she knows some information, but before she can say anything. Uh, she gets shot, uh, and it's a very surprising moment. I, I uh, uh, until it was very clearly telegraphed. I didn't see this coming. Yeah, um, she gets shot through a window. So you don't see who it was, and falls down. And you see, um, uh, you see Blanc kind of in in tears as well, mm. um, and then the others. Uh, come rushing over and then shortly after that we go into flashback mode yeah and um i was wondering how they were gonna twist the movie this time because obviously as we spoke about in in knives eight for knives out yeah um it's not a whodunit. It starts out with one sort of movie, then it twists to another sort of movie, then it twists back to a whodunit at the end. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering how they were going to do it this time. And um, what they've done is sort of throw a whole bunch of information that you can't quite put the plot together without into a flashback. Yes. Like a lengthy flashback. Mm-hmm. A very long one, yeah. Mm. And... Um... I think the first thing that you see is um, the moment that uh, Blanc receives the box, right? Yeah. So, um, first of all, you get to see his um, uh, his partner. Yeah, Hugh Grant. <laughs> Hugh Grant <laughs> in this. Wonder I'm, if it will be a different celebrity partner each time. I'm not. I'm not sure if if it's supposed to be Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, or if Hugh Grant is an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I felt the and same for... way about the guests on the Among Us game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah, his, his partner's there, Hugh Grant. Um. With a fucking sourdough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they take receipt of this box, which is the broken puzzle box so immediately you realize that there was no puzzle box for him it was uh, this other puzzle box that andy receives and you think oh okay so the twist is actually that he maybe had some contact with andy before all Mm. of this and that sort of is the twist but then you kind of gradually reveal that there are kind of twists upon that twist kind of over and over for the next um uh, for, for the next part of the film so the big twist here is that Janelle Monet is playing two characters yes. uh, she's playing Andy um and also her sister Helen yes um who was a, a school teacher rather than a uh, CEO. And it turns out that Andy died bef- like a week or so before the events of the film. Uh, she was found dead in her car, having apparently committed suicide. 
but Helen knows that she would never do that. Yes, uh, and the other important detail of that is that they, uh, having discovered this, um, I think it's uh, Blanc is able to pull some strings, right, to con- yeah, conceal he's- it from going to press immediately. Uh, yeah, he, he, he can suppress it for a week. Yeah. So he pulls um, in some favors to um, to conceal it, and they uh, jointly hatch a plan to get to the bottom of what happened, mm. which is that uh, she will accompany him to the island as Andy, uh, and pretending to be aloof while doing her rich bitch voice, right, uh, and uh, kind of sneaking around investigating things. Uh, while kind of while Blanc draws attention, basically, mm. and uh, so we get to revisit some of the different events that happened during the film from uh, from the perspective uh, of um, uh, of the character kind of sneaking around and looking at stuff uh, behind the scenes, and we. Uh, and we also just see a few things from other angles as well. So we see, for example, uh, that uh, what's the name of that character? Um, the the MRA's girlfriend. What whiskey? <laughs> whiskey. Yeah. Mm. So we see whiskey isn't uh, really cheating. <laughs> on him she's kind of being she's doing it for him yeah uh in, in order to just kind of seduce miles and uh into getting stuff out of him basically um, yeah she, he she's trying to get duke a, a role on alpha news uh yeah. his his very expensive news channel yeah and he's watching in a kind of intense way i guess because he is invested in the outcome of that. <laughs> mm. um, and uh, we see some other things from other perspectives as well. And um, I think, uh, I think a thing we should probably address that yeah. we, we, we didn't is um, she, uh, Helen suspects that the reason that uh, Andy was killed is that we mentioned the court case before it all sort of hinges on, uh, oh, yeah. on a cocktail napkin. Yes. Upon which, like, sort of the original idea for Alpha is written, yes. and um, Miles claims that he wrote it and is thus, yes. you know, the the owner of the ideas. And um, Andy claimed that she did, but she'd lost it. Uh, but she found it again and uh, sent them, sent everyone, all, all the suspects, an email saying, "I'm going to tell everyone about this thing what I've found," which, yes. honestly, from a don't murder me point of view, isn't gr- great. Uh, no, no, it gives uh, it, it gives everyone a great motive to mm. to be fair, um, but yeah, it, it does all all hinge on that. So she's just trying to find uh, because the the napkin was missing as well. That was the other thing, wasn't it? That 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 napkin that she'd found was missing from her apartment uh, when she went to kind of clear it out and stuff. So um, she's looking to see if she can find the napkin anywhere mm. on this island as well. So we we sort of learn that um, eh, through 
bits through through her investigations that everyone has some sort of motive for wanting Miles dead. So Lionel yeah. and Claire um, have sort of backed their put their reputations on the line, backing Clear, even though it turns out that it's got a horrible downside. Yeah. Um, uh, Birdie, uh, the fashion designer. Uh, Miles is trying to force her to take responsibility for having all of her clothes made in a terrible sweatshop um, that she sort of inadvertently yeah. agreed. Yeah, that's quite a funny line that's, <laughs> that she uh, she agrees to have her clothes made in a sweatshop because they're sweatpants, and that's what she, that's where she thinks sweatpants are made. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, and Duke is trying to convince Miles to give him a position in Alpha News by letting Whiskey seduce him. <laughs> Yes, uh, so you get all these little tidbits that uh, that kind of change the context of some of the stuff that you saw in the first half of the film, and I think it's, it's really well done. It's really, really nicely done. You you mm. kind of get that uh, peppered throughout, so everything is is put in a slightly different context to how you initially saw it. Um, and uh, I, and as we were going through all of this, I I remember just being really impressed with how they pulled all of that off. Um, but then the thing that just made me kind of, uh, I, if it was polite in a cinema, just to kind of stop and applaud a bit in the film, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, um, uh, that they don't let on through that whole segment. You, you you still assume that she's been killed. Yeah. Um, and then right at the end, uh, she kind of gasps and sits up and hasn't been killed. And, and it's, it's heart- another it's twist. heartbreaking watching all this stuff because, yeah. especially there's a there's a bit where Blank is like, um, uh, "We can't do this. It puts you in too much danger." Yes, and uh, and then and then he's still against it, but you can see that he has the reason he's sort of wants this now is because he's bored and he's got the sort of chase on uh so he's sort of downplay he goes from this is too dangerous to um no i think we can do this in in the space of about two sentences yeah so you're like oh you know his um his incaution has gotten her killed this is a horrible twist yeah and you completely buy his guilt over it because you yeah. see the tears it was crying he was yeah. crying and and initially you're like um when you first see the tears in your eyes you think Oh well, he's probably sad that someone died, but um, it he the reaction seems really intense, yeah, um, and it's a bit confusing. And then as you get the flashback, um, and you see how he's kind of brought this on her, and the guilt that would come with that, you totally buy it. That oh, he she must have been killed because of what he kind of led her to do and yeah it's his feeling yeah and uh and so it never even really crossed my mind that she'd get up after that yeah yeah not that, for a second oh uh oh that is such an old trope getting shot in the uh in in the notebook or something um yeah <laughs> uh, and it, it's so amazingly done here I, I, I love the fact that um uh blank makes himself cry 
by uh, by rubbing some of uh, Jeremy Renner's small batch hot sauce in his eyes. In his eyes, yeah. Which they also use um, as simulated blood, yeah. which nearly backfires in a very tense scene, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah it's just, there's a single drop on uh, on Helen's face, slowly yeah. rolling towards her nose. And like I heard the entire audience just sort of taking an, like, intaking their breath. Yeah. Uh, very good really great and um at this point i was really kind of really bought into the film (laughs) yeah (laughs) at this stage i mean um like like i said this is the point where i was like sort of um i was a little bit off put the start by sort of clownish buffoonery but like um this puts it all in sharp sharp relief doesn't it i mean he he's doing it to make sure that nobody is looking too closely at andy Yes, and, yeah, and, he it, is, yeah. and it works perfectly, and and uh, he, it recontextualizes the whole first half of the movie. It's so clever. Yeah, it's it's really clever. Um, it, it's just it's the same thing as with the first film in many ways, where it is a mystery. It is a whodunit, but um, it plays with your expectations mm. ab- about what's going to happen with that it plays with your expectation of who's going to be murdered it plays uh with your expectations of the kind of the the order of events and what actually happened it re- uh, it uh it is a really nice um it, it's a really nice switch uh, switch up of what you might expect to happen at that point mm. in the film. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just really well done. Yeah, um, I mean, because honestly, I thought Miles would be the first to die, and uh, I, I was sort of counting down the seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah, because that's the uh, that that's how you'd expect it to go. He invites uh, uh, people to his resort to investigate his, you know, his quote, murder murder uh and lo and behold he actually gets murdered and mm. you kind of that's what you see coming yeah. but no it turns out that someone else dies uh but they maybe weren't the target but then they were the target and mm. uh, and then it, it, it turns out that another person dies but actually no they didn't die and so it really plays with your expectations about what's going to happen in one of these so um we we sort of reach the conclusion of the movie here after this yeah. big flashback where uh blank gathers them all in uh, uh miles's sort of art room his gallery um in the glass onion um uh and he begins deducing <laughs> Yeah, and um, you get some really nice uh, Benoit Blanc bits here, as you'd expect. But I think the important thing, and and it's really um, kind of crucial to some of the things that the film is saying, I think, is that it's not a clever murder. It's no, it there's nothing. It, uh, it's 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 no it's nowhere near the sort of complexity of the switching the vials and the sneaking in and out of the first movie 
Right, yeah, because the the plot in the first movie is actually, or even before you kind of start switching stuff around, it's reasonably clever. You'd switch uh, out some medicines, and he gets poisoned that way, and uh, uh, and then you kind of add a layer to that by making them get switched again, and all of that sort of thing, and it becomes this kind of intricate puzzle box. And here, that's not really what you get at all. You just get oh, actually, it's just that he switched glasses in plain sight of everyone and mm. uh, just then said that... It was my glass. It, it was my glass, and yeah. that is all there was to it, but he did it deliberately. He gave him that glass. Mm. Um, and there was nothing clever about it at all actually and uh at some point uh he just says just says something like it's so um stupid and then birdie or someone says something like uh so stupid that it's actually genius or something like that it's like no (laughs) no no, it's just just stupid (laughs) and it (laughs) Uh, and one of the reasons that in the last episode of this, I was talking about how this film is really timely in a lot of ways is that I think it speaks to a lot of the, a lot of the leeway that a lot of the kind of genius that we ascribe to people just because they got lucky or got successful at yeah. some point at something. And it really goes at the, kind of tech billionaire who actually barely has two ideas to rub together. They maybe have one good idea once, but most of what they have built is stuff that they have taken from other people, other people and, yeah. uh, and stuff that they have taken credit for uh, or, or just isn't that clever on its face but people just kind of assume that it's really clever because they're doing it um yeah which... there's, there's a there's, a, there's a, a brilliant bit here where um uh blank goes through sort of scenes we've seen earlier of uh miles just being dumb and he's like yeah. he's not a genius he's just stupid <laughs> right yeah there's nothing there uh and I I mean I don't think that I really need to spell out where the parallels are yeah. with like this year right I mean yeah. I, I I was looking I thought about Elon Musk more than once while I was watching this film is what I'll say, you know <laughs> Yeah it's really it's really <laughs> and scathing indictment of him uh but written you know, years before the best example of that yeah. kind of came to light with this whole Twitter thing, and oh boy. um, and you see it on on Twitter with people just saying, "Oh no, it's it's great. He's got a plan. It's going to be brilliant. It's it, it it's going to be amazing." And then you see everything he does, and you start to think, "No, no, this really is just as stupid as it looks." <laughs> Isn't it? No, he's no, he's no. What is it? There's a, a quite a popular tweet going around where it's like um, uh, Elon Musk slams his dick in a car door, and like his fans are like, "Ah, oh, masterful gambit." <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's that's the whole thing, it, and uh, and it really, I don't know whether 
um, whether he had Elon Musk specifically in mind when he was writing this. I think it's probably more likely that he just had that that kind of person in mind. Um, but definitely, he he would have been one of the names that 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 um, that Ryan had in mind. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. But, um, but it's just a really great. It's really refreshing to see a a film just say it, just say no. This the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. It's mm. it, it, it's just this. Really, is as rich people sim- aren't smarter than you. They're just luckier, right? Yeah, or had better circumstances to start with. Yeah, there's really nothing there, and mm. um, uh, and it's really in a way cathartic in light of some things that have happened over the last few years but especially this year as well with the, uh, with, with the whole um uh twitter thing just to have someone call it out like that and say no nah, that, that that stop saying that these people are brilliant they're not and of course um the we didn't address the the dumbness of the murder it's um uh... Simply that Duke was allergic to pineapple juice, and uh, right. Miles yeah. put a shot of it in his glass. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you might think that the um, the film suffers a bit for it in a way because you don't get the kind of amazing uh, denouement, which is oh, so that's what that's how it all happened. Mm. No, it's the most stupid version of the murder it could possibly be you 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 hear it and you're like oh was that all okay um and that could be disappointing and i think it maybe would have been if the film hadn't been so clever leading up to it if yeah like all of the stuff that you got through the second half of the film really kind of makes up for the fact that when the murder actually gets explained uh it's kind of nothing um and uh so i didn't mind it i didn't feel mm. let down because i was still kind of basking in the glow of the things that the film had already given me plus of course there is another layer to uh, the onion if you will yeah. <laughs> uh we're in of course we sorry. Uh, we're in of course we uh, that noise again <laughs> I, I never will no yeah. um we we have to address uh andy's murder um yes. and we find out that, of course, it was Miles who did the murder because yeah. um, he was, and it was it's most logical for him because he was the one who had the most to lose. Because you know, if she presents the real napkin with the idea on it, um, everyone will know he lied, and um, she will regain control of the company or whatever. I guess I was a little unclear with what happened here. I mean, because I I'm not sure having a napkin proves everything quite so much as they thought but fine no but it turns out that that's not actually necessary anyway because uh, the yeah. napkin both napkins are destroyed um yes yes uh so miles burns it uh so that helen just has no proof even though this was sort of the only proof that um he was lying it's gone now there's no proof and uh, so there's no there's no sort of proof that he did the murder or anything. So he's like, ha ha, I have one foolish mortals. Yes. I don't think he says that specifically, but that's the vibe. 
And you then get the, I guess, the revenge scene where, uh, where I mean, at first it plays out. You you see that um, later on. I think that uh, Benoit Blanc pr- provides her with the clear that she can use to kind of blow up the <laughs> the glass onion. Yeah. So 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 um, it looks like. Um... Uh, Helen is just breaking Miles' toys for fun. Right. So she walks around the room and she smashes all of his sort of glass sculptures that are in his art lounge. Yeah. And uh, everyone else starts joining in as well um, yeah. at this point because I think they're all a bit, they're all fed up with him. Yeah. And he murdered one of their friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. So they, they start wrecking shit and it, it's, uh, it, it's kind of satisfying to watch because at first he acts like he doesn't care and then increasingly as they kind of carry on with it, it mm. you, you realise that actually it, it, it is getting to him a bit mm. that they're doing that. So you get some satisfaction out of that but then you realise that, oh, she's got the clear and she is going to blow this place. Uh yeah, how does she start the fire? I don't remember that. Um, is it the alcohol tray? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lighter floating around, right? Yeah, so it must be that. Uh oh yes, uh, there's Miles' lighter that he used to burn yeah. the um uh burn the napkin, so that's still knocking around. Yeah, so so um there's they she starts a fire. Uh there's a um uh, a, a bit of a flail over Chekhov's um like fireproof safety override for the Mona Lisa. Yes. Did we mention the Mona Lisa yet in this podcast? Uh, oh yeah, did. no, we did. I no. don't think we did. No, 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 we did. We did earlier. Um, we, yeah. we mentioned that he's, uh, he's, he's got it. He's got it. Off. Yeah. He's yeah. got, he's got it from the Louvre. I think we mentioned it before we started recording the podcast. I don't oh, think right. we, okay. Yeah. So, uh, he, he's got it on loan from the Louvre, uh, for his private enjoyment while lockdown is happening. Cause no one can know it's left France or whatever. Yes. Uh, and but he's built in an override, which of course, as soon as he says that, you know, at some point it's going yeah. to get used. When when it first was revealed, I just wasn't sure whether it was going to be used somehow for the for the murder. Yes, uh, like because it, it as as soon as the uh, the barrier gets triggered, which it gets triggered by the smallest thing, it gets triggered by like slightly loud noises, or by, lighter, <laughs> or by messages being received on a phone like that. Mm. That triggers it. And I was thinking, ah, oh, at some point someone's gonna set it up to someone's like standing nearby or something and then they yeah. get get it closed <laughs> on them or something when when they send a message on their phone or something like that. <laughs> uh, that and that's gonna be the murder. Uh, um and no, it has nothing to do with that. It's just the override. Uh, and so after the whole place is on fire, um, uh, she races Miles to the button, gets there first, presses it. And um, yes, the Mona Lisa goes up in flame. It is, it is destroyed in, yeah. in a fire caused by clear. And uh, they all go and sit outside on the steps, and she's like, "Well, I might not have been able to prove that you killed my sister, but I've killed your um, technology, you, you know, your dangerous fuel technology, and your, you know, um, whole business empire in one go." Yes, they, he realizes that his reputation is completely ruined mm. uh, uh, by this. This is something that not even money could really get him out of because. Literally, the only story is that the fuel 
that he invented was responsible for destroying the world's most priceless piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and which then... is about as satisfying a, a comeuppance you could pr- probably get for someone of that nature. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't happy at first that that she's not really getting revenge for her sister's, like you know. Justice for her sister's death, rather. Right. Uh, but but then it turns out she does. So uh, it's mm. it's a really satisfying ending, and um, uh, all of his former friends and associates just decide to turn on him at this point because he's got he's no longer got anything to offer them. Right. Yeah. As soon as they, you, you know, as soon as they don't get anything out of the relationship, it's kind of implied earlier in the film that they don't really like him. He just kind of edges into their friend group. Mm. Uh, and uh, because he then got successful, he they agree to hang out with him, basically. Mm. Uh, and uh, as soon as him being successful is off the cards as soon as they hit them being associated with him uh, would actually be damaging more than anything else to their reputations um they no longer have any reason to back him up or defend him and he realizes that he is truly alone hmm. and uh we, we see the police arriving on police boats yes and uh i, I think the movie ends there yeah, of course, uh, Blunk is kind of watching this whole scene from a distance with a character that we haven't mentioned yet, I don't think. Oh, no, no. we uh, um, He is sitting there with uh, Daryl, who um, is is just on the island because he's going through some stuff. So Daryl is always there in the background, but yeah, he's, he's not involved in, in, the, in the weekend events at all. Occasionally he just says, ignore me, I'm not here, and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, which is quite a funny bit. I wonder whether he might have something more to do with it in the end, but no, he's just there. <laughs> and of course, he's, he's played by uh, uh, Noah Segan, who uh, played Trooper Wagner in Knives Out. Yes. And uh, who Ryan Johnson tries to include in all of his movies. I suppose that's a way to get him in. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the uh, that's the film. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I mm. think that it's maybe a in a way that a lot of sequels are. Maybe it's a little bit of a messier film than the first one. Uh, maybe some of the character work isn't as just top notch as uh as the first film but a lot of it is really good as well the character work um but i think that you know it's in the same conversation as that yeah film and it can it can stand very proudly uh but beside it i think so i i I can really strongly recommend it yeah i mean it's an excellent sequel and i i think i said it last time that if knives out didn't exist uh this film would just be knocking this out of the park right Uh, it's just the fact that knives out exists and is such a a fantastic movie that that there's even anything sort of negative you can say about this really it is it is a great movie very well done cinematography is fantastic as well they've got some amazing shots um yeah the glass onion is really nice I'm, i'm looking forward to finding out whether they built some of that or whether it's all just cg i think it might just all be cg yeah 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 it's hard to hard to say nowadays Mm. uh but yeah definitely some sort of (laughs) some sort of mixture yeah so you should definitely watch it and you have done already by uh (laughs) listening to this podcast right 
Right. Yeah, you haven't just spoiled the whole film by listening to this. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Yeah, why would you do that? Hope you haven't. If, yeah, no, if you have, you've got to go and watch it on Netflix right now, three mm. times as penance. Yeah, should we have a maybe a, just cap this off with a good old 30 minute conversation about how much we like um, how Netflix has handled the release of this film again? Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 real great. I, I I love that that I wanted to see it again and can't uh, yeah. for ten more days. Mm. <laughs> uh, how it, how it made half the money of the predecessor in cinemas because it was released in a third as many cinemas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's not revisit that. Really, <laughs> we we had if you if you happen to not have listened to the um, spoiler free podcast because you thought you'd just wait for the spoiler one because you know what happens in the film, uh, then yeah, we have a lengthy discussion at the beginning of our recap uh, in that one where we talk about how uh, our problems with the way that this was released. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we were both huge fans of Knives Out and we almost didn't get to see it. So Yes, it, it was. Uh, it was looking very much like I might have to set up a projector in my living room at some point, so so that we could have some sort of cinematic experience. <laughs> um, but no, I I loved it, and uh, I I eagerly look forward to more of them because, uh, as we discussed, I think it's either a three or four de- film deal. Uh, I think it might be three. Now that I've said it out yeah, loud, I think it is three. Mm. Yeah. Um. But, well, I suppose before we, uh, we we call this whole thing a day, uh, I don't I don't want to go into what it is, but I think we have some sort of idea about what we're going to do next, right? Ooh, ooh, are we um are we giving away a little reward of of um for the long time listener? Do we say do we say what it? It is, or do we hold it back? Because I feel like if we say it, what it is, we have to go into why, because it's a bit of a weird decision in some ways. Um, oh, oh, I'm, I'll, I'll put, I'll leave that in your greasy hands, Peter. This, this is on you. Well, the first thing I'll say is that we don't know when, because mm. uh, I, I think we would both agree that the early parts of next year are, are pretty stacked up uh, for us as far as activities go. Yeah, we very might- busy. We might not have a lot of time to record mm. podcasts in the early parts of next year, so it might be that they're probably going to be a bit of a break now. Yeah, um, before we start in on our next project, but we will return. But we will return, and we can always edit this out if we decide against it. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be editing this, editing this in like 15 minutes. So it's it's your. (laughs) Well, we thought we might do Back to the Future Part Two. Will this be copyright struck on YouTube if I sing? I I I better stop. Yeah, stop. Yep. (laughs) So, so. That might strike you as a bit of a weird decision because why didn't they do part one? Oh. Yeah, why didn't we do part one? And I think the reason that we came to for skipping straight to part two is first of all because there's loads of material on part one out there. If you want to find out facts and interesting discussion of the first film, there are places that you can go. There's there's loads of material. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, uh, it's enjoyable having these conversations, and apparently, people enjoy listening to these <laughs> us talk about them as well. It's so, nice. Uh, it, it's very nice. We appreciate that. But maybe we don't have a lot to add to it. Um, is is one reason uh, where whereas there's a bit less discussion around of the 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 second film just because it's less. It's a bit less iconic. I think they're all pretty iconic at this point, but it's a little bit less I- I- iconic. The first one really stands well on its own, whereas the second one is very much a middle thing, you know? Mm. Um, but what we realized when we were talking about whether we wanted to do a Back to the Future film is that Back to the Future 2 is such a big old glorious mess <laughs> that there's just loads to talk about. Yeah. And it might just be more fun to have a conversation about all the little bits of that film uh that are so w- weird and interesting and uh and we kind of sold ourselves on the idea of skipping straight uh, straight to the second part. I mean don't don't get us wrong back to the future the first movie is absolutely iconic and it and it sets up the whole thing so well uh yeah. it's sort of like this this fantastic sort of ticking clock of all these little pieces moving into place at the right time yeah but the sequel just it, it does it again and better i i think i i think i preferred the sequel as a kid so uh <laughs> i i also did and yeah. I, 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 the way I've always said it is that I I don't know whether Back to the Future 2 is a better film than Back to the Future 1 when you look at uh, how tight it, how tightly it's scripted and things like that and, mm. uh, and and when you when you look at the craft of it maybe it's not as good as a, a film but it is nevertheless my favorite of them it's the it's the most back to the future that back to the future gets and mm. uh, and i have a real soft spot for it even the bits that hold up not so well or weirdly after we've passed the year 2015 you know <laughs> um, and oh, so, so i just really look forward to getting into conversations about all of the kind of weird shit that's in that film mm. um and and so back to the future too seems to be where we're going. Yeah, um, Peter, I've j- I've just had an idea. Can we pretend that this is season six and we <laughs> did we did Back to the Future as season five, and mm. and we we only reveal well, like like we just keep the joke going for the whole season until the last episode as uh, as part of a hostile listening environment. Yeah, HLE, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, just really what people going yeah. god where's season 5? <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting idea. <laughs> I'll give you that. If you listen to this, you're in on our little Yeah, secret. yeah. Yeah, you uh, you gained a little treat because mm. you you went and watched Glass Onion like we told you to. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, like you say, it will probably be a couple of months at least before we can really dig into it. Um, it's I find the idea of this one interesting actually because it's going to be one of the few movies I think where you've seen it a lot. Um, yeah, compared to I, I, our normal format, which is um, I speak of a film that I've seen one hundred thousand times, and I forced you to watch thrice. 
yeah, I mean, I, I would say I've seen uh, Knives Out quite a lot of times as well, but this is a film that I have has been one of my favourite yeah. films, if not my favourite film, since I was a very young child. So. Lifelong favourite. You might have seen it five times, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> maybe I maybe I even have to start counting on my toes as well. <laughs> Do you only have five fingers? Um, it's Did, complicated. Were, were your hands generated by one of those AI <laughs> <laughs> by Mid Journey? <laughs> All uh. right. Okay, listeners, thank you for joining us on this weird little digression that was just sort of so timely we couldn't resist it. Um, and we hope you enjoyed watching it and you hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about it. Um, pause while I alt tab to the outro text. Uh, who's infected? No, no, no. <laughs> um, if you have any questions or comments about any of this stuff, you can email us at podcast at eightminutemovies.co.uk. Uh, if you like the show, you should tell a friend or leave a comment if you can, wherever you listen to it, uh, because that helps the hashtag engagement. And the sooner this podcast becomes huge, the sooner I can uh, retire on that glorious audible money that we're definitely not getting now. Um, <laughs> uh, and you can follow us on the Twitters if that still exists at the time of broadcast. Yeah. Um uh, I'm Kieran J. Walsh. Uh, Peter is uh, Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the verb and Pie like the rational number. There you um, go. There's a lot of ways that the. I was going to say like the fruit, but then I realized that Pie isn't a fruit, which sort of no, and it's derailed not, me. It's yeah, not like it's not. The, the food either. Well, I mean, it is like the food if you subtract another irrational number, yes. the, the natural logarithm. Uh, I'm not sure if E is an irrational number. Um, listeners, write in if it is or isn't. I can't be bothered googling it. I mean, um, I already thought that I was overcomplicating the. Yeah, no, it's just, I've made it much worse. Yeah. Uh, also, we have a Twitter for the show, uh, which will let you know when new episodes are released. It's called Eight Minute Movies, eight with a number. Um, I think. Hang on, hang on. Let's I'll go check. with that. Hang on, I'll check. Yes, eight minute movies, eight the number, then minute movies. Yes, a Twitter account. Hashtag consummate professionalism. <laughs> Hurrah. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening and good evening to you all. Oh, this might not be evening. Goodbye. Bye.